Happy Easter, everyone. This is Marisa from the Tower Hill production team. Thanks so much for tuning into our Tower Hill podcast. Easter morning is a great day of celebration and joy. Whether you're hearing this story for the first time or you've heard it a thousand times, there is no denying the unexpected treasure of this awesome morning. And 2,000 years ago, they found an empty tomb, but it held something beyond their wildest dreams. And it's still true for us today, more than ever. Today, Pastor Jason talks about the treasure and how it was so unexpected, it was unrecognizable. So let's check it out right now. Hey everyone, happy Easter. Welcome to worship here this morning. I'm Pastor Jason. So glad that you could join us here on Easter morning. And what a blessing that we get to do this. We get to do this online for all of you at home and we get to have in-person services. Last year we couldn't do that and it feels so special that we have all these different ways to worship. You might be new to us this morning, just watching us for the first time. I pray that you feel as welcome as you are. I want to invite you to check out all the things that we're doing. Check out the way that we do church at towerhillchurch.org. And please, we'd love to have you. If you're out of town watching and you ever come in town, we'll make you feel right at home. Can't wait to see you. Well, Easter is, I mean, when you're a kid, everything is about Easter morning, right? Easter is awesome. You eat your own weight in chocolate and peeps and somebody drags you to a church service. I mean, it's great, right? Having Easter egg hunts, and I used to love Easter egg hunts as a kid, not only because you got to find the hard-boiled eggs hidden all over the the house or the backyard, and, and then two weeks later, find the one or two that you didn't find on Easter, the gift that keeps on giving. But I used to love it because it was a way of finding treasures in unexpected places, We did hard-boiled eggs, but then you had the plastic eggs with the goodies in it. And that was always cool because there was always a couple that had really good goodies. And so us, I was one of three, and we used to run around and basically fight to see who would get the extra special treasure in the unexpected places. Talk about unexpected places to have a treasure hunt. So this church that I was interning in when I was in seminary, they used to have their egg hunt for the kids in their cemetery. So it was the church building and then the cemetery right next to it. And they would have kids running around doing an Easter egg hunt. And it used to totally creep me out. I'm like, what are they doing in the cemetery? Like, I don't know. Is that right? They're joyful and having fun and finding these eggs. And I'm like, oh my gosh, somebody, are they going to get creeped out? And like, oh my gosh, Uncle Albert's over here. <laughs> like, I didn't know exactly how it was going to go. But as I thought about it, I thought maybe it's not so weird that the egg hunt is in the cemetery. After all, that's how Easter begins. In today's passage, this version of the Easter story in John's Gospel, we begin with somebody heading to a tomb, totally unaware of what's happened, totally unaware of what Jesus has done. This would be Mary Magdalene. Let's get into this with our first verse here, verse 1 of chapter 20. Early on the first day of the week, While it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb. Now, let's get ourselves kind of in Mary's head as she's heading toward the tomb. I know it's a couple thousand years removed, but we can all identify perhaps with what she might have been feeling. I don't know if there's anything much harder when you lose somebody close to you than that first 
trip to the cemetery. It's tough. I know that in, in the loss that I've experienced with my mother, my father, and my stepfather, all, all three passed young, and having to go through the process of burying and caring for them, going back to the cemetery is such an emotional moment. And for a while, when you lose somebody close to you, it's, it's a strange thing that happens. I know for me, it's like my body goes in eco mode. You know how your car has eco mode, and it's just sort of designed to minimize all the effort going on in the car and just, just the essentials of getting things done. I feel like I went into eco mode, and my life and energy was just sort of drained, and I was just kind of going through the motions. Everything was a bit of a blur. I had a hard time sleeping. And it's, it's difficult. And those who are grieving, and some of you may be watching this and you're going through a grieving time now, you can identify. And I could just imagine this kind of eco mode or this blur that Mary was experiencing as she head toward the tomb. Remember, they didn't even get a chance to bury Jesus properly. And, and when you're getting ready to go to the cemetery, maybe you're planning a funeral service, all that you keep thinking is, I just want to honor this person that I love? Are we going to pick the songs that he or she would have loved? Are we going to have the right people speak who want to speak? Are we going to have the right elements of the service? Because we want to honor them. We want to do it properly. And then, of course, we want to go on and live our lives as a way of honoring these people that we've lost. And so we definitely can identify with the fact that Mary for sure had to have been feeling You know, we couldn't even bury Jesus properly. Everything was done in haste because of the Sabbath. And in other of the Gospels, it has not just Mary, but some of the other women coming with burial spices and things to go through the actual rituals that they were robbed of because of the way everything went down. So it's not a leap to think that Mary is going to the tomb to honor Jesus well, to make sure that, you know, I want to make sure that he gets honored in burial, and remembered for being the Lord and Savior that he was. So let's continue with Mary's story. Early on the first day she goes, and she saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. Now this was a big deal. This isn't something that anybody can just kind of, you know, move their arm and it was like a sliding glass door or anything. It took several people who knew what they were doing in order to do that. I mean, it took a lot of muscle to move, to roll away the stone. And I'm sure the first thought in her head, and you're going to see in a minute, is who came and robbed the tomb? Did they take Jesus' body? Why would somebody do that? Well, there was talk that maybe Pilate or Herod would come and steal the body. Why? So that nobody could claim he was resurrected. So they could take the body and say, see, he's right here. Or maybe somebody thought that there were some valuables, some treasures in that tomb that they could make away with. And maybe there were some vandals who came to the tomb. Whatever it was, she saw that. And she instantly was filled with panic. It says, she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, they have taken the the Lord out of the tomb and we don't know where they have put him. They've stolen the body. All I want to do is honor my Lord and Savior, and I can't even do that. And now they've robbed me of that too. So it says, Peter and the other disciples started for the tomb. 
Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. I always thought that was sort of a funny moment. I know it's not supposed to be funny, but I'm like, was, did, was John, when he was writing this, he's just like, I'm faster than Peter? I don't think that's what's going on here. But it shows they're both on their way to the tomb. One gets there first and says he bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter came along behind him and went straight into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying in its place, separate from the linen. Now, actually, we lose a little bit of the translation in the NIV, which is what we're, we're using, because in the original Greek, it gives us a little more detail. It says that, that the shroud, the part that was around Jesus' head, had been folded up and neatly set aside, folded up. And so with the two disciples, they are absolutely confused about what they saw. Why would vandals who came to steal the body, why, they would have ransacked the place, right? Why did it look like things were tidied up? Who would take the time after robbing to make sure that the shroud was folded up neatly? They were really confused about what they saw. Uh, there are some other kind of in, in ancient interpretation and some of the early church fathers who were closest to this event used to talk about the strips of linen being, some traditions say that it was as if they'd been untouched, that Jesus' body had passed right through them. And, you know, there's a lot of other uh, kind of folklore around the shroud and the shroud of Turin, right, that you've heard of, because it was this complete and utter mystery. Why would this be set aside and folded up? As if to say, this was all done by design, and it wasn't vandals, it was something else. Part of the miracle of this moment. Now, we don't know exactly what all of it means. There's lots of speculation. A lot of books have been written. A lot of theologians debate about it. But one thing is for sure. It's not what they expected. It's not what they expected. When they came to the tomb, they see it empty. And maybe in their heads, they're thinking, what's the tomb going to look like, right? Mary told us it was empty. So they knew that what to expect, but the way in which it was done was not what they were expecting. They were expecting to see the remainders in a certain way, and that's not what they saw. Finally, the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went inside. He saw and believed. Now, this doesn't necessarily mean he believed that Jesus rose from the dead. He believed in, that Mary was telling the truth. He saw and believed. How do I know that? Well, I'm a verse ahead says this, they still did not understand from Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to where they were staying. Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying. Now we, we feel the hope because we know how the story ends, but they didn't. Mary certainly didn't. And it seemed like whatever sadness, whatever eco-mode, whatever challenges she was facing as she was heading to the tomb that morning, it's only gotten worse. Now she doesn't even know where her Lord is. Has no way to serve him, to honor him, to bury him properly. And in this moment, you could say she is at her lowest. Thankfully, the story doesn't end there. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb. 
and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, Woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. He asked her, Woman, why are you crying? Who is it you are looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will get him. Is that wild? Do you remember that part of the story? Thinking he was the gardener. It's almost comical. The very Jesus that she's looking for shows up, and she doesn't know who he is. Clearly, it doesn't all have to do with the eyes in this moment. There is something deep and spiritual and profound that's happening right here and now. And Mary doesn't even realize what's going on. Mary, in this moment, is face to face with the risen Lord. Now, could it be that she's in this sort of eco mode as we talked about, or maybe her eyes are blurry from crying, whatever it is, There seems to be something supernatural going on here. And it clearly wasn't the Jesus she expected. After all, in the middle of the tomb, who expects to find life? That's exactly what she was confronted with, life. Life in that eternal. I think for all of us, we have a certain expectation of Jesus. And I often wonder, Are we missing who he really is? Maybe we have an expectation that Jesus, oh, he was a really good religious man who died a tragic death all those years ago and gave us a lot of good wisdom to live by and to understand God. But, well, I I don't think he was actually God. I mean, that's, that's crazy, right? Or it's the kind of Jesus that, well, you know, Jesus, yes, I believe that he's my Savior. I believe that he was who he said he was, but I just want to kind of keep him over to the side. I want to compartmentalize my Jesus life so that I could pull Jesus out whenever I need him, but for the rest of my life, just kind of keep him tucked away. A domesticated Jesus, a cellophane-wrapped Jesus. And then we wonder why we feel like we can't connect with Jesus, why we're missing it, why we can't feel close to God. Maybe the answer is because He's not the Jesus that we expect. The real Jesus, the risen Jesus, the eternal Jesus is staring us right in the face. But something inside of us, well, it's still stuck in the tomb. So what was the turning point? It happens right here. Jesus said to her, Mary, she turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. You see what happens? Jesus calls her by name, and her eyes are opened. And what does she find in that moment? Instantly, what does she find? Life in the middle of the tomb. Not just Jesus' life, but her own. 
See, I believe Jesus is calling us by name, awakening our spirit to him. We are in tombs of our own creation, and he enters into our tomb to bring us life and to show us the way out. Could you even imagine what Mary was feeling in that moment? It would be so hard to just get my head around what she, the emotions, what was happening in her spirit as she was awakened to the risen Lord right in front of her. Could you imagine what that was like? There's a story that I had read in the paper years ago, a little over 10 years ago, that kind of gets at this. What, what was the emotion of the moment? And it was the true story of an Australian woman named Kate who In 2010, she gave birth to twins, Emily, who was born first, and then Jamie. And Jamie, unfortunately, was born uh, without a beating heart. And it was just about 20 minutes of trying to revive Jamie, and they told her that, unfortunately, Jamie had passed and wasn't going to make it. And this mother just, as you can imagine, this horrible situation is overcome with grief And she just holds baby Jamie right by her heart. For two hours, holds Jamie there. And all of a sudden, Jamie's heart started beating. Jamie came back to life. In fact, years later, both twins are happy and healthy. Could you imagine the kind of joy and life overwhelming that we would feel in a moment like that. And so here we are in Mary's position. Jesus is dead for three days, not not two hours, three days. And here he is alive, full of life. What kind of joy would that give us That's the kind of joy we should be living with every single day. As Jesus calls us by name, we are awakened to life with him. We recognize the Jesus who'd been standing there the entire time. And then he calls us out. Out of the tomb. Into life with him. Listen, I don't know where you feel connected or disconnected with God this morning. But maybe the kids had it right. Maybe finding those unexpected treasures in unexpected places. What greater treasure is what we have found in Jesus Christ? Eternal life in him. Life instead of death in the most unexpected place imaginable. Maybe they had it right. Maybe, maybe there's joy in the middle of the tomb. This is the hope of the gospel. So what does that mean for us? Well, it means not only in this Easter morning, but the rest of our lives, we'd be like Mary Magdalene, who went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. We, with that kind of passion, imagine the joy that she shared those words with. Imagine her leaving the tomb, Just now these tears of sorrow become tears of sheer joy and she 
with passion and joy, tells these disciples her experience with Jesus. Shouldn't we be doing the same with this world around us that is still stuck in the tomb with a Jesus in front of them they can't recognize? And he's called us to go out and to share this with them, to say, I have seen the Lord. And you can too. May God bless you. May you see him and experience life right now. Happy Easter.